Bashar Wali is one of the most recognized names in hospitality because he's done it all. As a leading operator, investor, and hotel branding expert that 180,000 people follow on LinkedIn alone. While he's done it all, he's always on the hunt for how to improve. And today, he shares his latest observations on what makes great hospitality. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. What's a day in the life of Bashar look like? How I spend my time is a function of what am I trying to do? Because I feel that there's been monotony in what we do. And even though we're in a sexy business, it seems like we all do the same thing. And, you know, I look at model rooms now for hotels that I'm working on and I walk in the room and I'm saying, it's the same thing. So I try to find things that inspire me, right? I want to do work that inspires me. I don't want to do work just for the sake of doing work. I want to do work that inspire me. So what I'm constantly on the look for is how do we, our industry is hard to reinvent, right? We're sort of selling a bed in the shower, but how do we rethink our industry? How do we take all the new tools that we have, whether it's technology, whether it's AI, whether it's all the things and bits and pieces, how do we change the experience and make it different in a way? And I feel like brands, for example, right? There's way too many brands out there. Does the world need another hotel brand? And the answer is absolutely not. Marriott is at 31 now and Hilton and all. There's two, I, I, can't, I can't get them straight, but I feel there are things in the, lifestyle brand world that we haven't touched yet. So one of the exciting things I'm working on right now is I am working on a brand of my own, not ready for prime time yet, that I feel is different, unique, will have a different perspective so that it's not just another, that then really excites me because I feel that I can make a difference and make an impact. And you know, people throw around ESG loosely and they don't even know what it means anymore. They think recycling is ESG and it's so much deeper than that. And I think if we, as sort of the veterans of this industry, don't start setting the tone for what the future should look like. I think we are cowards. Just like we say with the uh, global warming, oh, our kids will deal with it. I think we have an opportunity right now as veterans of this industry to make changes that will be lasting, that will help the next generation and really start getting us on the right path. I think to your point of everybody starting to look and sound the same, you have a very interesting practice where when you go on a trip, every night you stay at a new hotel. Why is that? So it started like 10 years ago. And now in hindsight, by the way, I say I wish I collected something or kept the proof of it because I am pretty confident that I hold the world record on this thing. So three nights in New York, I moved to three different hotels, never the same hotel twice. And I've run out of hotels in many cities. It's hard to run out in New York, although I am closing in on running out. So I need some more supply in New York. But I initially started it, you know, people tour hotels. I tour hotels all the time. You tour hotels. I'm sure our listeners tour lots of hotels. I think there's an intimate experience when you sleep in a hotel because you're in a vulnerable state sleeping. And by the way, now you're learning about the toilet flush next door is too loud and you can hear it. And the elevator dings too loud. And the flashing light in the smoke detector is right in your eye. So it's a whole different experience when you sleep in a hotel. So initially, I wanted to sort of see what's out there. And really being a perpetual student, I wanted to understand, are people doing things better than we are? And sadly, the result of my hard work of jumping around hotels, and by the way, two weeks ago, I stayed at the Moxie in Williamsburg, which was my 240th hotel in Manhattan. I learned that what I bring home often is more of what not to do 
rather than a what to do, which sort of goes to show you that I think we've become an industry of shock and awe. We do things without, I love these two words, thoughtful and intentional. Don't do something just because, have real intention behind it. But we've swung to the shock and awe side of the business where we want to do it just because we want to do something different. We want to outdo our competitor without regards to who's the audience, do they care about it, is it going to be annoying or not. So 240 hotels, at the end of the day, I now can walk in a room and really speak with authority because I've paid my dues to sort of see what's out there. And funny, by the way, like I will stay at a $2,000 a night Baccarat or Amman, but I will also stay at a $50 a room hostel and share a room and share a bathroom because sometimes your least expected offering will be the thing you learn the most out of. So we sort of we look down upon those offerings when, in fact, they're doing really innovative things. So my advice to you is don't judge a book by its cover. Be brave enough to go experience different things in life across the globe. What's something recently you've seen that surprised you? Funny, great question, and I get asked it all the time. It's never a thing that surprises me. It's never a thing, right? But I'll give you an example. I'm staying at the Omni in Seaport, Boston, and they have this clever idea of instead of a coffee maker in the room, which usually is crappy coffee, generally speaking. They had one of those machines in the hallway, in each hallway. You can get a cappuccino, you can get a latte, you can get whatever you want, higher quality. You know, it, It's on demand, so it's all fresh. And I thought it was a really interesting way to address lack of space, reduce the amount of time required to clean a room and clean all these machines and all that. And I won't tell you what happens with those machines, wink, wink. So clever idea. But in most other cases, what I see is, again, shock and awe, right? The walk of shame kit in the mini bar. Who gives a shit, right? So I always say, if you want to impress me, make me feel special. Make me feel like an individual. I was at the W in Bangkok, unannounced one night, and I never say, do you know who I am or have someone call on my behalf. I make my own reservations. I show up on my own. I walk back into the room. I'm traveling with my daughter and a friend and his daughter. I walk back into my room, and there are four teddy bears, which is their thing there, on the bed, engraved with each of our names on them. And there's a card that says, from the person who did it, that says, Mr. Wally, grateful you're staying with us. By the way, I've watched and used your TED Talk in my training. I am grateful you've chosen our hotel. Literally, that hotel could have been, the sheets could have been dirty. There could have been a used diaper under the bed. It doesn't matter because now I feel like in front of my family too, right? I'm like, hello, what's up? Look at me. So they've, they've managed to make me feel special enough in a way. And the hotel was fantastic, by the way, in every way. But I think people underestimate the value of if you make someone feel special, they will forgive many of your sins. And instead, what do we do? We focus on the things, which is hard to win the things game because everybody can spend more money on art and more money on things. But the very basic things that we don't focus on is this idea of Make me feel special. I recently trademarked the sentence longing for belonging because I really truly feel that you succeed if you make me feel when I've arrived at your hotel in pick a city that I'm home. And that's not an easy thing to do, but it's so simple. Not easy, but simple at the end of the day. That's where the magic lies, right? I'm curious as you're doing this research, as you're out there experiencing these different hotels, do you save notes or capture these ideas or are you just kind of seeing what say what feelings stay with me over time? I'm so ADD. Like I'm not the guy to record. People say like, do hotel reviews, man. What? I'm like, I, 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 you get one word from me, maybe, right? Literally one word. But funny you say that. So I've now come to the realization that hotel rankings, who gives a shit? 
five stars, seven diamond, blah, who cares? I've really dis- I'll tell you what I've distilled it down to. Uh, by the way, I often say a funny anecdote too. I'm a water pressure guy. I, I got to wash the shampoo out of this hair, you know. So I will trade a four seasons with mediocre water pressure for a Hampton Inn with great water pressure. Like literally, I, that, that to me is the last thing I do in a hotel room and I want it to work. So I say to people, your diamonds don't matter to me in that example. Give me five shower heads. That's my five diamonds, right? But really, after all this time and all this travel and all this research, I've sort of said there's really two kinds of hotels. There's a memorable hotel and a forgettable hotel. And the sad reality is, out of my carnage of hotels on the road, very few are memorable. And the question is, what makes it memorable? Is it the Damien Hurst, Willie Mammoth skeleton dipped in gold sculpture up front that says, I'm rich, look at me? Absolutely not. It is literally the moment of truth, as it were, is my interaction with a human at two o'clock in the morning when I'm coming off of a late flight, I've had a disastrous day, I'm hungry, and I say, is there anything open? And someone says, no, end the conversation. Or someone says, unfortunately not, but I'll tell you what, the kitchen makes sandwiches for our staff at night. They save them for us. I'd be happy to give you one of those if you'd like. I'm yours for life. Again, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. That's to me the memorable, what makes that hotel memorable. Now, Look, realistically, obviously, there's table stakes. You have to have good design and a comfortable bed, and, 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 and. Those used to be things that made you stand out. They're now ubiquitous. Those things get you in the game. They don't win you the game. And the question is, what wins you the game? And in my opinion, I maintain, and I've said this in nauseam over the last decade, it's people, interactions with people. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you enjoying this conversation? If so, I invite you to text this episode to a friend or colleague as well. Not only will you let them know that you're thinking about them, but you'll help them as well. One more thing. I'm having a lot of fun right now sharing videos and photos from the stories on the show. So if you'd like to see those or watch along, open up Instagram and YouTube now and follow Hospitality Daily so we can stay in touch. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the 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 notion that uh, there's table stakes here, but that it's not a checklist of things and those things aren't going to win the game. And I think as you're doing this research, it's not, OK, I'm going to take this coffee maker necessarily or this you know piece of art. Right. It, it's kind of how those physical things were arranged and presented in a way that supports, you know, the cast of people providing that human experience. But the coffee maker ex- example, by the way, what I love about it isn't it. It's that someone thoughtfully thought about the room is crowded, the coffee is always crappy, we can't put one of those machines in each room, it's unrealistic, otherwise it would be the right answer. Okay, let's put it in the hallway. Now, some folks I've talked to about this complain, they're like, listen, I want to make my coffee in my underwear, I don't have to go out into the hallway. They're like, would you rather have crappy coffee in your underwear or throw on a bathrobe and go get yourself a really nice latte, whatever. So it's not about it, it's about someone thoughtfully and intentionally decided, let's try this out. Interesting. I well, I think what you're what you're getting to resonates with me because I think on my most recent trip, I, I stayed at one of these kind of cool hip lifestyle brands, or I should say, trying to be cool and hip. And what it just feels like, no matter what part of the world, this was in Europe, but they all start to kind of look the same, and they're all kind of playing the same music. And I think I don't know what zeitgeist they're trying to tap into. It's maybe something the Ace Hotel or some of your properties were tapping into. I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago. But they're trying to just keep this train rolling. And 
I don't know. It it it, it, it becomes really so boring. It hits. It just really, hits wrong. <laughs> really interesting point. I tell people. So I'm in LA four nights, and then the fifth morning I wake up and I say, take the signs off these four hotels, shuffle them, put them back up randomly. I couldn't tell you the difference. And when Curb comes up with a guide on how to create a boutique hotel, you know it's dead, right? Because everyone has Edison bulbs and Chevron carpet and brass and walnuts. And everybody, to your point, has a rotating art in the gallery and local coffee in the lobby and, and a tasting hour for kombucha. So what once was earth shattering, we did, you know, what, Kimpton used to do the wine hour. I'm like, I don't like wine. Let's do something unique. So we did, we did uh, Amaro's in the lobby, like an Amaro tasting hour and a kombucha tasting hour. So all of a sudden, you took something that was wise, and instead of copying it, you innovated. But that was innovative back in the day, kombucha tasting. Wow, right? Seattle, Washington, it makes sense, Portland, Oregon. But now everybody does that. So how, how, I don't want you to go do shock and awe. I don't want to do vinegar tasting in the lobby because that would not be thoughtful. That would be shock and awe, right? But let's really think about how can we do things that are innovative that are not simply copying everyone else. And the problem is, because the consumer is so more, so much more sophisticated and exposed to a global sort of offering now, whether it's through the internet, social media, et cetera, they see and have expectations. So all that stuff has become ubiquitous. And again, in my opinion, you can only do so much. And by the way, as an owner, like at some point, we wanna make some money. We can't keep throwing it back in and giving you things. So I feel like what I'm honing in on, on this idea of longing for belonging, it doesn't cost you anything, and I think it is the most effective. If you know, by the way, Maslow's hierarchy of need, at the end of the day, at the bottom, there's all the basics, and I sort of say, those are all the basics now in our industry. Good art, good branding, good design. Even when I'm standing at the urinal, there's a great you know, branding thing that says, we're cool, look at us, we have a message at the urinal. I'm like, great, congratulations. By the way, I've never met a cool person who walks up and says, hi, I'm cool. By definition, if you say that, you're not cool. Anyway, so... We, we, we've got to stop throwing things at it because we've run out of things to throw at it. And now we have to dream of stupid things to throw at it. Let's really distill down what it is. By the way, people say, ask me why I got into the business. I grew up in the Middle East and I have this great saying that to me is, here's your Cornell master's degree in hospitality for free in, in 20 seconds. When a stranger shows up at your door, feed him for three days before you ask him who he is, where he's from and where he's going to. Because by then, he'll either have the strength to answer Oh, you'll be such good friends, it won't matter. Literally, that is hospitality. Literally, that is hospitality. Yet, we as an industry have gone so far away from that. We think we know anything about you. We don't. And all we want to do, hi, checking in. Yep, have you stayed with us before? Yes. Silence. Why the fuck are you asking me if you're not going to do anything with it? By the way, I am titanium elite on Marriott. Top, top tier. I've stayed in more Marriott's than I care to tell you. And you know that the... Conventional wisdom is that 20% of your customers give you 80% of your business, right? So those top road warriors, men and women that are traveling nonstop, they're your people. I like my room, meat locker, 64 degrees year round. You would think once ever, ever in my entire hotel stay across all brands, independent and otherwise, someone would have found out that about me and remotely changed it. They don't have to go to the room. It's the easiest thing to do. Remotely changed the temperature and took credit for it. Not once ever. Instead, I get wine and cheese and all the stuff that I could care less about that they wasted so much time and money on their part. And I say it's interesting, by the way, this idea of, and I use this example a lot. I am a diamond on Delta. I walk up to the gate. My name is on the list, number one on the list for the upgrade. Sure, I'll take your upgrade. I'm happy. But it doesn't 
make me feel special because in my mind, it is a mathematical formula. Bashar Wali did not get upgraded. Record number 5674 that traveled this many miles equals upgrade, right? It's not me. Delta doesn't know who I am. They know the record. I sit on the plane mid-flight. The flight attendant comes out with a postcard handwritten by the pilot thanking me for my continued business throughout the pandemic and for being a million miler or whatever. That is me and makes me feel like I am king of the world. So, yes, I'll take your upgrade, but the upgrade to me, kind of like the amenity in the hotel, you have a list that said VIP, uh, but I didn't get the amenity. The VIP got the amenity, which is just a record. But if you find something about me, like in the bare example I gave you in Bangkok, now I feel like a million bucks because it's about me. And I think that's the part that we've really lost sight of as an industry. And it's interesting because you gave a whole range of examples from the temperature of the room to the bears to the personal interaction. And and that's something I wanted to ask you about, you know, kind of like we talk a lot about personalization. How do you make someone feel special? And so it's not it, it's less of the generic. Here's something fancy that most people would like. And it's it's something for you, Bashar. It's like we we have spent the time we have, you know, we're paying attention to how you're moving throughout our space, the conversations that we've had. And it's for you. It's uniquely for you. You know, CRM, people think they know what it is. They don't know what it is. They think CRM is a confirmation email and a pre-stay email. That is not what that is. We as a society now are so public. Our lives are so public. It's so easy to find out lots of things about us. And technology has now enabled us to go. If you, if you have my record in your database, you can have a software, piece of software, scrape the entire internet and try to give you information about me that then you can utilize to make me feel special and personalize my stay. Above and beyond you asking me to fill out a form. Because back to the Marriott thing, I fill out a form to be a member of their loyal, loyalty program, which we can talk about separately. But at the end of the day, I am giving you so much about me and you do nothing with it. So I think this technology idea of we as an industry have failed to use technology to our advantage to help us remove friction out of the transaction. And when I talk about friction, I go to the zip code field as I'm trying to book a reservation with your hotel and you're forcing me to have to manually change my keyboard to alphanumeric. Yeah, shame on you. So you know what's going to happen? I'm going to go to Expedia and do one, two, three, and my reservations is booked. So we fail there to remove the friction. So I think that's an area we need to work on. But then this idea of being able to collect data. By the way, I am shocked that Hilton doesn't have literally five PhD data scientists from MIT sitting at their headquarters working on what do we need to know about our guests and how can we utilize it not only to market, which to me should be secondary, to in fact create loyalty with them and make them loyal fans for life, and then market to them appropriately. I mean, think about Instagram, right? Literally, I'll say the word skis now, and there'll be a ski ad in my Instagram. But that, that to me is thoughtful because they know I am looking at it. We all worry about that big brother. I mean, you can turn all that stuff off, obviously, if you don't want it. I want it because I want targeted things. Don't show me wedding dresses if I have no interest in wedding dresses. But if I'm interested in skiing, show me skis. So as an industry, we failed to use data, big data, especially the big companies, because they have the resources to set the bar to allow us to, in fact, create ultra customized experiences that will resonate with our guests. Instead, oh, yeah, you like green M&Ms on your pillow. Fantastic. Who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I want to talk, I, you know, kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on was, was the path forward. You know, what does the future of hospitality look like? I think you've touched on many different elements of this. But you talk about this this notion of ultra customization. We were just speaking about this in the context of technology. I guess, how do you think about this notion of ultra customization broadly? And, and why is that the future? 
I mean, look, I think gone are the days where we go to a restaurant and sit there for five hours and have 72 meals with 92 pieces of silverware and all that. People don't want that anymore, right? That was something you did as a badge of honor, as a bragging right. And if you subscribe to the theory today that travel truly is the new social currency, that's how you get your street cred. I mean, think about it. Back in the day, you show up with a fancy watch, you showed up with a fancy car. That was your statement that I'm somebody and I've arrived. And pay close attention today. Like I meet people within a minute, we're talking about, oh my God, where'd you go? And where have you been? And where have you traveled? So travel truly has become, and think about the emerging economies that have not experienced travel like we have historically, they're joining the bandwagon and it is becoming such a big thing. So to me, the, the path forward is how do we create memorable hotels, memorable experiences? I'll use the term broadly. And by the way, the word memorable, I love about it is my conversation with you is either going to be memorable or forgettable. I can describe it a hundred different ways, but the most meaningful way, in my opinion, to describe it is memorable. Because if it's memorable, win. How you got there, inconsequential. But to me, creating memorable experiences in however way we find it. And by the way, memorable could be really bad. Because usually, if you're good enough, you're neither memorable nor forgettable. You're just good enough. If you're forgettable, you're really bad. But memorable could also be really bad, right? So, and I've had to really memorable in a good way, but, <laughs> exactly. but it's interesting though, even just hearing your travel experiences, the thousands of hotels that you've stayed in, the hotels that you talked about in our conversation stood out for a reason. And I think because they exemplified the sort of hospitality that you've been advocating Ab- for. Absolutely. And again, love the Baccarat in New York. Ask me what kind of flooring is in the bathroom. I don't know. I don't care. Ask me what kind of whatever is in the whatever. It doesn't matter. That's not what I bring home with me. A hotel experience is interesting because you spend 300, 500, 1,000, 2,000, whatever the number may be, and you bring home nothing with you. Maybe you steal a towel, right? But at the end of the day, if you can make it memorable and I go home to my wife and I say, honey, you won't believe this hotel I stayed at did X, that to me is a win. Or me telling you about a hotel that I've had experience in, that's a win. So the future is, how do you focus on making it truly memorable? How do you remove your and your designers and your branding team and then that egos out of the way and design things for the end user, right? And with them in mind. And how do you, in fact, remove the noise and the friction and spend your energy and time on things that matter? Art. Just because you own 10 Picassos and you put one in the lobby doesn't make it interesting. Who gives a shit? Why is it there? What does it mean? We are, please don't throw up in your mouth when I say this term that I throw up in my mouth every time I hear, storytellers. We humans are storytellers. There's something, again, innate in a Darwinian sense about us. We want to be part of a story. We want to tell the story. We want to share the story. I feel like a hotel needs to have a reason, a why that resonates. And it can't be so explicit. Don't every time you do something cool, don't put a sign that says, oh, this window is cool and here's why. Let me have a little bit of sense of discovery. Let let those who find it without a sign appreciate it so much more than most that will see the sign and be like, yeah, okay, fine. So I think, again, creating memorable experiences, really thinking about what guest needs and wants, enough with the flashing light and the smoke detector and the, and the thermostat, like be thoughtful about those things. For God's sake, put stadium lighting in the bathroom with a dimmer. I've never, by the way, designers will love this. I've never once in 30 years in this industry heard heard directly or indirectly about someone complaining that the TV is too big or that the bathroom is too bright. Think about that statement for a minute. Never. So put stadium lighting in the goddamn bathroom and let them dim it if they don't like it. Yet we insist again back to 
forcing our views on you, forcing our views on you. Now, if you tell me you're a no TV hotel, okay, I got it. I can make the choice with you. But don't let me show up expecting one and say, oh, no, we don't have TVs in our room. Don't make that call for me. Let me make it. So really think about what matters, what are people interested in. And, and I'll close with this, which, which is, and I do a whole talk on this. Hotels historically were inspirational and aspirational. They were inspirational in that they had better design than your home. They had better art than your home. They had, they had, they had. And aspirational because they had Wi-Fi, you didn't. Flat screen TV, you didn't. Pay-per-view movies, you didn't. Room service, you didn't. Fast forward to today. I don't know about you, but most people I know have better art, better mattresses, better design, technology by God, by leaps and bounds better, Postmates is at your fingertips, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we, again, regain our position as inspirational and aspirational bastions for these guests that have lost the, you know, that, that, that thing that we used to give them they've lost? And my proposition to you is when I go home, the only person that runs to the door is my dog. No one else cares that I'm home. And if you manage to make me feel like using that analogy, you run to the door when I come in your hotel, that's gonna, that will make it aspirational because I don't get that anywhere else. And that makes it inspirational because I'm inspired because I feel like I matter. Great hospitality providers know that every touch point matters a lot. So they spend a lot of time making sure that each interaction better serves their guests and makes life easier for their teams. If you'd like to operate this way, I suggest you check out Sojourn. They've built a reputation as the market leader in helping hotels and resorts earn direct bookings through digital advertising over the years. And more recently, they've expanded into offering a complete suite of guest experience solutions, including an AI smart concierge, reputation manager, and guest marketing suite. I've been working with Sojourn for years now, and everything from the way their technology is built to the talented experts they have on staff makes it no surprise that when I talk with people about technology, Sojourn comes up again and again. Hospitality providers love them. If you'd like to learn more about how Sojourn can help you better engage your guests and drive more profitable direct bookings, visit Sojourn.com. That's S-O-J-E-R-N.com. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. Dot com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 